Welcome to Companion Pass. I'm thrilled to have you along on this wild ride as we explore the untamed world of rodeo life and the families and supporters that make it all happen. From thrilling arena action to quiet moments behind the scenes, this podcast is your ticket to the heart of true rodeo life. I'm Lindsay Branquino, and as a rodeo wife and mom myself, I've experienced firsthand the joys and challenges of life in and around rodeo. Together, we'll dive deep with rodeo families, rodeo athletes, and other folks who are living and breathing the Western way of life. We'll explore topics like raising families while husbands are away, navigating the dangers of a professional rodeo career, keeping a relationship alive when you're hundreds of miles apart, and what it takes to pursue your own goals in the midst of it all. Whether you're part of a rodeo family, a fan, or just someone who loves Western culture, Companion Pass will give you all the real, unfiltered insights you've been looking for. Let's dig in. My guest today is somebody who really needs no introduction, but it is such an impressive one that I'm going to do it anyways. She is an award-winning journalist. She's an author. She's a host. She's just like an all-around media mogul. Alexis Kimsey is here today. Now, her husband is a seven-time world champion who is very impressive in his own right, but clearly you can tell that I am a huge fan of Alexis. Alexis, thanks so much for being here. Of course. And I'm such a big fan of you, too. I just I love following your stuff. I love how you just bring humor into every situation, no matter if it's good or bad. I think we all need to live a little bit more like that. Oh, thank you. I think maybe I'm a little bit nervous because the truth is here, like you're the one that should be hosting this podcast, not me. You are the professional. You've done just like countless interviews with all kinds of people inside rodeo, outside of that world, which I think is pretty awesome. Like, can we talk a little bit about your incredible career? Yeah, for sure. So I started when I was 15. And anyone that doesn't know, my parents own Bloomer Trailers. And my dad started that on a Denny's napkin a long time ago. So I've always been kind of immersed into the Western culture. I really didn't have a desire from a young age to compete in it. I really loved the background of it. I loved the stories. From a young age, I loved going up to guys and being like, tell me why you did this or tell me why you made this decision. And I was always the annoying little girl that would go up to team ropers and events and ask them 500 questions. So my love for it started early. And then, like I said, at 15, Siri from Rodeo News Magazine gave me an opportunity to write a story for her called Roper's Review. And so I started writing that. By 17, I landed my first cover story. By 19, I was actually discovered at NFR with the stage show I had. And it was so funny because I was introducing myself. I was running my own sound. I was videoing myself and running (laughs) on stage. I was doing it all. I was like, if I can do just one thing right, maybe it'll be discovered by the right person. And it was discovered by Randy Bernard. Before I knew it, I was flying to Nashville and launching Western Sports Roundup on Sirius XM. And so... That kind of just was like a whirlwind. And from there, I got to work with Dan Rather in New York. I lived up there for a while, which has led to later on me graduating. And I didn't want, this sounds terrible, I didn't want to move to Nashville at the time. And so I had to make a difficult decision. And that's about the time, I senior years when I started dating Sage. And so I thought, I can do this on the road. I can do my own show and do different things. And that's when Wrangler Network and I hooked up. And it's been a great relationship, eight years in the making. And then, yeah, now we're here. So I've got a really great opportunity to do things that girls like me shouldn't be put in those positions. They should, but 
I wound up in great opportunities and positions just because I wasn't afraid to put myself out there. And that's yeah. one thing I tell girls all the time. I'm like, you just never know when talking to the janitor can lead to something because that's happened to me. So if it can happen to me, I had a homeless man in New York give me advice that I still listen to this day. So what was the advice? Okay, so I was walking down the street. And if you live in New York, you know that people don't always smile. Like you almost have to have a little bit of edge to you. And that sounds terrible. But just because you don't want to be taken advantage of. I was a Texan. I was wearing boots in Central Park. And I didn't really fit the whole stereotype of the typical New Yorker. I wore heels every day. I was walking to work one day. And before I got into the building I was working at, I smiled at this guy and he said, I promise to God that smile will take you places you've never been. And I said, okay. He said, so keep smiling. He also told me that my zipper was undone. So good advice. Smile and always check your pants, ladies. These are words to live by. We could put that on a t-shirt, Alexis. (laughs) Right? I still remember that homeless guy. Oh, that's so great. Now, this is one of the things that I love about your story. Like you grew up in Western culture, being a part of it, seeing it, but You talk about how you were somewhat removed from like actual rodeo life. Like you, you say you knew the numbers and the stats, but you felt a little clueless when it came to what really goes on behind the scenes. And that was a world you were introduced to when you and Sage got together. Yes. You know, it's so funny. I think this goes for any journalist in the Western sports. We see you guys do incredible things in the arena. We see you break arena records. And then I'm not going to lie, the most nervous I've ever been was going to the first rodeo with Sage. I was like, oh, my gosh, what if these people don't like me? That was always the thing, too, is I dated a rough stock rider. My family's all roping background. And so I remember walking in the first event and I was so shell shocked. And then it was funny. It was like out of nowhere, these people started trusting me. And it's not that they didn't trust me before, but I think that having my boyfriend at the time, Sage, there, it just opened up new doors for me. He'd tell me the behind the scenes stuff and I was able to go ask the guys about it. Of course, with their blessing, I would ask them before I could share it. But it really did kind of open up a new world to me. And it made me not just fans of them, but friends with them. And when you're friends with people, you obviously want the best for your friends. So I felt like I could use my voice to be such a good advocate for them. Yeah. Now, when Companion Pass was just a written series on my blog, you wrote one. And that was back in 2019. And I want to say that maybe you and Sage were just engaged at the time. You certainly, you weren't married yet. You hadn't started your family yet. But you said some things in there that really struck a chord with me. And one of the things that you said in that piece was that dating a rodeo cowboy humanized the sport for you. And I think that's really interesting because you can be a fan of rodeo, but you maintain a little bit of a distance between the guys that are out there in the arena and what their lives are really like. I think that when we see these cowboys, and particularly somebody like Sage, who's so impressive and makes something so hard look pretty easy, it's really easy to look at them and think of them as like superhuman, right? They're doing these things that most of us can't imagine doing. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm the biggest fan of Sage. And it sounds so (laughs) cheesy because he's my husband, but It's so interesting because when you say the humanizing aspect of it, there's a saying like, don't meet your heroes. And some of that happened to me in rodeo because I saw some of the behind the scenes stuff that I was like, okay, wait a minute. I saw some sides of people that I didn't really necessarily expect to see. But then I also saw sides of people that I wasn't necessarily the fan at the time. But then getting to meet them, I was like, wow, they've been through so much and they don't even talk about it. And to me, that's just so incredible. And 
my husband is probably one of the most elusive guys in rodeo in the fact that a lot of people see him all the time. People are like, oh, he's arrogant or oh, he's this. And they have no idea. My husband is extremely shy. He is naturally an introvert. Like when you were talking about that a while ago, I understand the being nervous and stuff because he's an introvert. He's worked really, really hard to like he started taking speech classes and stuff when he was younger, thanks to his mom. And I think that's why Sage is able to do interviews and stuff. But if you were talking to him one on one, you would be like, "Okay, wait a minute. This is not. So like we go to the grocery store. No one knows what Sage does. They probably just think he's a homeless guy. (laughs) But it's fun like to see that side of it, because when he's in there and he's locked in, probably same with Luke. When he's locked in, it's a different game. Yeah, It's not anything that you can describe. And you see your husband in that environment or you see your boyfriend in that environment. It's so different than who they are at home. Mm-hmm. But it's something you admire and respect so much because like you said, it's defying gravity. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's no reason that my 148-pound husband should be able to go get on a bull and dominate. Like there's no reason that should happen. Right. But then also, like, how lucky are we to have a sport that shows these talents that are defying the laws of nature. What would Luke be doing if he wasn't a wrestler? Obviously, he's a good commentator and everything else, but at the same time, it gave him a platform that, you know, it humanizes them at the same time. There's something so romantic about the American cowboy and the American cowgirl. There's something that is just people are enamored with it, infatuated with it. And you've seen that from the Yellowstone effect, how people, they want to be a part of this just because they don't understand how it's possible. Yeah. So you touching on it being romanticized, I completely agree. And it's really easy to see why. I I know that even being close to it, like I do it sometimes, it's easy to Mm -hmm. kind of do. But what do you think the negative side of that is? Like the the upside is that it draws people in. There's like an intrigue. They want to be a part of it, like you said. But what is the downside in your opinion to that? Oh, I'm going to have so many haters from this. For me, I feel like, yeah, it's great to romanticize it, but we have become so stagnant in the fact that we're not evolving. And I think that our sport should be, my goodness, it's like gladiators. Why is that not one of the most talked about thing? It's so fascinating to me. I truly love every event. I really enjoy watching them because I like what they're doing, but I would love to see associations really take charge of that and kind of make it more mainstream. The way that the good old boy system is something I love about rodeo, but it's also what's holding us back. For sure. I mean, having to find that balance. Rodeo is so rooted in tradition and it honors its history and where it came from. And there's a lot about it that I think is, I think that's why people love it. It's like old school Americana and it's familiar and we've lost touch with that as a society so much that I think it's nostalgic. You know, it's kind of what people love about it. So striking the balance between honoring that and staying true to that, but still bringing it up to the 2000s is something that we have to figure out how to do if we want the sport to continue and thrive. Which we're seeing that right now with Cowboy Channel. Like we really are. Like for the first time in our sport, we have haters. You post a video of someone like Rocker mm-hmm. Steiner and there's hundreds of comments. You post a video of my husband even and I have to turn it off most of the time because I don't like what I'm seeing. But you know what? That's what makes it mainstream. You look at something of Tom Brady or you look at something of Patrick Mahomes, for goodness sake. There's haters on that too. So, I mean, we're bridging the gap. We're getting there. I think Cowboy Channel helped quite a bit with that. I think that it is changing the way our sport is a little bit, but a lot of it's for good. Yeah. And I think that you have to get those people that are so entrenched in that old school to embrace it, which is a challenge for sure. 
Oh, for sure. Because I'm a lot like the old ways too. Because I was a little girl at when Luke was first starting out. I loved that. That was the rodeo <laughs> that I fell in love with from the start. And so for me, it's dang, Alexis, you want this to be modern, but you still love the old way it was. I'm the worst. I'm like a critic, but I'm also a passionate lover. Now, going back to you meeting Sage, you actually met him like during an interview, right? You were interviewing him and that's how you met him? Okay. No, I actually had that wrong. So I need to put that out right now. I am sorry to Sage. He quickly reminded me that he was like, you know, when we actually met. So this is actually an embarrassing story. I can't believe I want to share this with you. When I was 16 years old, I was dating another guy. And Sage knocked on the window in the rain and introduced himself. And he says that's when he knew he'd marry me. And I thought that was crazy because he was like 14 at the time. He was a baby. And he did actually ask me to prom during an interview. And I turned him down. But poor guy. I was in college at the time. So it took us a long time to get to where we were. But my senior year of college is when I like really fell in love with him. And we weren't even dating, but I loved him. Did you know, like, how soon did you know he was the one? Was it kind of instantaneous or did it take getting to know him a little bit because you said he's shy? No, actually within one night. I remember I came down and he had commented on my Instagram picture. I told him he looked nice at an event. He went for children's. I was like, you look, it's like a children's school event. And he went to it and I was like, you look so handsome. I'm so proud of you because he had been on my parents' high school rodeo team. And I still thought of Sage as like little young Sage because he's a few years younger. (laughs) And from the first night we talked, we stayed up till like 6 a.m. And I knew I went downstairs to my mom. was like, I'm going to marry him. She's like, absolutely not. I did not picture this for you. No. At the time, Sage was a little wild. So everybody was like, "Okay, this is weird because I was not wild. We were talking in January by October. I had gone up to do a story on Sage and by the end of the week, he was like, I have two questions for you. Will you be my girlfriend? And will you go to the back number ceremony with me? And I was like, yeah, I guess. So it was funny, though, because I said yes to the back number ceremony. And we get to Vegas. And that night I was in a little formal gown because it was the back number ceremony during the NFR. And Sage looked at me. He's like, I knew I'd get you in a formal dress to be my date. And I was like, <laughs> OK, is this like he's still bringing up prom? It's been five years. Like, move on. So ever since then, we've been inseparable. He's been, my family's been through a lot in the last five years. And Sage has unwaveringly just shown up when I need him. My family loves him because he's just that guy. He's solid. It doesn't matter who you are. He'll take care of you. It's nice to have someone like that in your corner. Yeah, for sure. So it's obviously he's won your mother over. Yes, definitely. Actually, when my mom had her stroke last year, it was, she called Sage into the bathroom to help her win her all of her feeling went out because she knew he'd be able to handle the situation. And her, my dad and him actually carried her to the car. And Sage is just the guy you go to when stuff, when shit hits the fan. Sage is the guy that is just calm and collected. And obviously he rides bulls for a living. So that doesn't bother him. He's got to be able to handle the pressure. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. We talked about your career a little bit, but you've done so many things. And I think that you're a great example for other girls, other women out there that you don't have to compromise having a career for a relationship, that you seem to from the outside, and I know it can't be easy to balance the two really well. What is your advice for other women out there who find themselves in a situation like that? I think that the right partner will love all the things about you that intimidates the wrong partner. 
And any time that I've had stuff, Sages went with me at 3 a.m. to Fox News and he fixes my hair like it's no big deal on set or he'll make me breakfast before I have a big job pitch. It's just it's really finding a balance. But there's one thing that I, I really, really want to tell women now for me that I think was the hardest part of becoming a mom was for so long, I thought that if I wasn't winning awards or if I wasn't achieving things, if I wasn't up till four in the morning doing work or taking care of everyone else around me, that I was failing as a woman. I really thought that like as a girl boss, especially this past year, I thought that if I wasn't being everything to everyone or being the girl that was the girl boss per se, that I was failing myself. And I think one day I looked at my little boy and he looked at me like I was just so perfect. And he grabbed my face and he just said, my mama. And he was so proud of me. And I just thought, you know what? Like my whole life, I have tried so hard to be this girl that I thought was good in others' eyes. I wanted to be good. I feel like that was how I got my validation. And then looking at him, I was like, I am really good at being a mom and I love being a wife. And I feel like nowadays people act like that's just not enough. But really it is. And I still work. Don't get me wrong. I still work. But my joy doesn't come from the satisfaction or validation from others anymore. It really, at the end of the day, I measure my success by if my husband had a great day, if my son had a great day, if I had a great day with my son. And I've been very fortunate to be able to work from home and have my son with me all the time. And it takes a village, but I just feel like if you're at home or you're a girlfriend or something like that, your worth doesn't come from someone else. Like you have to love yourself at the end of the day if you're ever going to be a good partner or teammate. I think that those are such important words to hear because particularly as women, we go through so many different seasons of life and you found so much success so young. You're talking about being a teenager and landing all these huge deals and you're finding so much success on like really big stages and that it's okay to now be moving into a different stage of your life and finding true happiness and validation not through necessarily those external things or awards or accolades, but now through your family. And the other thing I was thinking when you were talking is how motherhood has such a way of putting the bigger picture into perspective. Oh, for sure. And it softens you so much. And I'm not a hard person at all. My thing for years was work hard and be kind. And I, I truly do believe that. I still try to follow that to this day and teach my son those traits. But Looking at him, like I just, I want him to feel so filled up. I want him to feel so happy. I want my husband to be so happy and filled up. And within the last year, like if we had not struck that balance, like it's crazy to think where my family would be. I almost died during childbirth. My husband had a major surgery, was out for the year. My mother had a stroke. There was so much that happened. And like looking back, if I would have just focused on things like awards or attention or social media followers, that's so like vain, but it's nothing that's going to help you during crunch time. Like none of that stuff matters when things really hit the fan. So I just want girls to love themselves. I know that's so hard too, because I'm still struggling with that and trying to learn to love myself after having a child. But I do think like when you're young and you're in love with a cowboy, you just, it romanticizes, you just get caught up in that motion. But here's the thing, the NFR is only 10 days. A gold buckle only lasts until the first rodeo in Odessa. It just starts over and you just have to focus on yourself too. What I'm hearing you say is that success can be defined in so many different ways. And I think in the lifestyle that we live in rodeo, success is defined in such a black and white way. You're winning or you're losing. You're the world mm -hmm. champion. If you're not yeah. first, you're last, right? No. Nope. 
exactly. I think that you get a little bit older and you experience more life and you realize that there are so many different definitions of success. And there's nothing wrong with being driven towards one goal at one point in your life, but it's inevitable that it changes. Yes, for sure. It's so funny. Do you remember, I'm sure you can think back, it was almost like a time when like a switch flick or a switch flip when you went from being thinking like a child to thinking like an adult. The things that like I focused on were what my younger self wanted. And don't get me wrong, I love them all. My awards are displayed proudly. I'm super grateful for all that I've done and for all the people that have helped me. It was almost like I had to grow up a little bit to change my perspective. And I feel like that is really hard when you're in an industry where you get to almost be a little boy for so long. You're traveling with your friends and you're getting to do all the fun things, go to all these cool places. Like it's a crazy lifestyle that these guys live and these women live. And so for me, I'm like, Okay, I had to do that too. Sage is like, it'll come one day. And it did. And when it did, I was like, oh, I get it. So was there ever a time when you went from being Alexis Bloomer to then being Sage Kimsey's wife? Like you have your own kind of, your own merits, your own reputation, all of that. You're known for being you. Did people ever try to put you in that box? You know, they really didn't. And still to this day, like I can say, it's funny. I remember I interviewed all the way up until I was seven and a half months pregnant. And I remember the back number ceremony. I was huge. I was so miserable. They pulled me aside and they're like, Alexis, can we get a few quotes about the baby? I'm like, my husband's right here. Like he helped me make the baby. It's funny because I think Sage never put me in that box. Yeah. Like he knew that I was so much more than just his wife. Right. And like he speaks to the queen in me all the time. So it's not like, I think if he demands that respect, then other people around him kind of just like, okay, well, Alexis also is running Become Legendary for Sage. She has all these clients she works with. She still interviews. And so I think for Sage, yes, I am. he loves that I'm his wife. But at the same time, like he never stereotyped me that way. So I feel like in the industry, a lot of people still see me as the girl interviewing right. them. So I haven't quite balanced that yet. And people still call me AB all the time. It's like Cody Webster is notoriously the worst for it because he calls me AB all the time. And Sage is like, it's AK. <laughs> it's so funny because I made a deal with Sage. I remember we were driving through Pendleton going to Ellensburg, I think, like two years into dating. And I said, I want to keep my last name. And he was like, absolutely not. Like, if we're getting married one day, we were like three years off from getting married, five years. And so I said, what does it take? And he says, you got to be on national TV. You got to have a book or something written about you. You got it. And I was like, challenge accepted. So within the next year, I was like, I'm going to go on Fox News and be one of their contributors. I'm going to write three books so that he has no way he can say that I didn't do it. And I remember saying that. And the day we got married, he like made a joke about it. He's like, please take my last name. And I was like, I'm taking your last name for myself. I just want to say I'm doing it because I want to, not because I have to. Literally, exactly. Going back a minute, I really loved hearing you say that you think other people didn't do that because he never put you in that box. And I think that is so important. He allowed you to maintain your own identity. And that's the kind of support I'm talking about when I try to tell people you need to find that person who, as a rodeo wife, we Mm -hmm. do so much to support them, our lives revolve around what they're doing. 
And so I think it's so important sure. to find that person that's willing to do everything within their power to support you and reciprocate that back. Oh, definitely. Sage knows too, though, if you're going to put me in a box, like I'm going to color outside the lines. Like I'll probably get pink Sharpie and I'll be drawing outside the lines. So he just lets me do my thing. And then he's like, you know what? I'm here behind you to support you 100%. Don't get it, but I love you. So yeah, it's worked out for us so far. But he's clearly so proud of you, which I think is awesome. And it speaks to what like a strong man he is. Because to have a woman who you come across as so confident and you're so well-spoken and determined and you have all these really incredible qualities, I could see how that could really intimidate a lesser man. Oh, for sure. And the intimidation thing, it's funny. Before Sage, I didn't have many boyfriends. Like, I remember I got my first stage show and the guy I was dating at the time was so insecure about me interviewing cowboys. He was a fraternity guy. He was so insecure about this that he just kept threatening to break up with me the whole time I was in Vegas. So here I am at like 18, 19 years old trying to balance this with a guy at home trying to break up with me. And I was just like, is it always going to be like this? I really did think that's how most men operated. But Sage and I, we're, we are so strong in our faith. And like biblically, I know the woman's role. I know that what he needs from me, he knows what I need from him. And I just feel like when you have that in the center, like the insecurities, they don't speak as loud as what he says. And yeah. so for me, like that's made a huge difference in our marriage because at, at the end of the day, we always joke, we're like, I'll meet you back at the end. I'm going home with you regardless. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what happens in the meantime. Yeah. So I do think that like, yeah, finding the right partner, it's so hard though. It's easier said than done. I have friends that I have prayed and prayed for them to find the right partner. And we, Lindsay, are very lucky. Yeah. We're very lucky. We absolutely are. Now, Sage is so enormously successful. He's kind of untouchable in a lot of ways. And He clearly has so much determination, so much ambition, so much drive. Does watching someone like that, does that motivate you to be more like that? Do you feed off of that energy? Yes, because my husband is like the least complacent person I've ever met. Like people think, okay, yes, he's a world champion. He's been blessed with it. When Sage was younger, he was extremely small. He worked so hard from this. He didn't come from a wealthy family that took care of everything. He did it all on his own. And I truly think that's something so great. He's had great mentors and people that have came into his life throughout his path. But for me, I was very blessed. I was given a platform at a young age because of my last name. I'm not afraid to say that. And so for me, like paths were cleared and I had almost like a proven reputation based on how wonderful my parents were. And for Sage, like he really did have to blaze his own trail. And I just think that's so incredible. And I see him now and I see him with my son and our son. And I'm just, I'm amazed because the sky's the limit for him. He says he's going to do something. Like we have affirmation mirrors, both of us in our rooms. And it says all his goals that he's going to put out for the year. And he looks at it every single day. So he makes a conscious effort to see what's in his vision. He wants to know what he's going to do. And I've never doubted him one time. We're very visual people. Before the NFR, we always write out and chalk our dream bulls that he's going to draw. We sit there together, we go through them, and I ask him step by step, what's this bull going to do? Sage knows every detail of everything. He's almost like, it's just, he's a guru. It's weird. I've never been around someone like him. Someone so exceptional as something that is just like, that's what God created him to do. And my husband makes it look like art. And so for me, I'm like, I got to hustle to keep up. He's doing a lot of incredible things. But at the end of the day, it's so funny. He'll win the world 
And then we'll go back and he'll, okay, I just want a cheeseburger. (laughs) He makes it so common, the big moments. And I'm like, hey, man, you just won $466,000 and you want Panda Express. (laughs) Like, this is just weird to me. Like, I've never been around someone that's just so incredibly good at something, but they believe that they're good at it too. And so it makes everybody around them want to be good at it. That's one of the things that I've always thought about Luke is he's somebody that I feel like just being in his presence has made me a better person like over the years. And it's through his actions. It's the way he carries himself. It's the way he's handled huge successes or maybe even more so how he's handled setbacks and failures and stuff. And it's really pushed me to address some of the things that I could be better at or that I could be doing. Because I think hearing you talk about Sage and how he's just meant to do this, that's how I always felt about Luke. And I know that there was a time in the beginning of our marriage where I felt lost. Like I stopped rodeoing and I just felt like I I don't even know what I'm supposed to be doing. I thought my life was headed down this one path. Now it's taken this sharp left turn. I feel lost. He's out rodeoing. And I always at the beginning just felt jealous that he had such a clear path. He knew exactly what he was going to be doing. It was clearly a God-given talent. He was finding success at it and just so good. And I thought that just must feel so great to know that you know what your calling is and you're doing it. I'm like, how do I get that? Somebody please help. Yes. No, I tease Sage all the time. I'm like, dude, I wrote a book. I wrote a whole novel. I still like you read a book for eight seconds and they're like, congratulations, $17,000. It's just incredible. But here's the thing that I have to constantly remind myself too, is that God gave each Mm -hmm. of us talents. He knew that's what Sage needed to be doing. He knew that I need to be doing this. And maybe that whole reason was because he wanted me to be with Sage. Because who knows where Sage would have been? Who knows where I would have been without each other? So it's kind of interesting to think about, like, I can choose to be bitter about things like him not being home or missing something. Or I can choose to be grateful because there's a lot of people that would trade places with Sage in an instant. And we never take that for granted. Last year was a perfect example. That was his first NFR to ever miss. First time to never come in number one. So, I mean, you could get bitter or it can make you want to get better. And for me, I always choose the latter. For sure. And that's another thing that I think I've learned from Luke is he's been in situations where I just think, God, I would be so upset or I'd be hanging on or I'd feel resentful or angry at whoever. And he just doesn't. He lets it go. And so there has literally been times where I've been more upset about a bad call or something than he has. I'm like, how are you over this? Like not getting the flag that you're at the finals cost him a world championship. I'm like, yeah, like we see it is now what, like 10 years later and we see the judge and I'm still like giving him the eye and Luke's like high-fiving him. I'm like, oh, I do the same exact thing. It's so funny. Like right now, what Sage is having to do is bonkers in the PRCA. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And every second I get a chance, I mention how dumb I think it is. Sage is just like, if this is what God wants me to do, this is my chance to make the finals and make a really good paycheck for my family. This is what I'm, I'm like, okay. Like perspective, but sometimes I just want to be a little sassy about the situation. I mean, since you brought it up, in case there are people out there that don't know, can you explain the situation he's found himself in right now? Because it's really something. Sage is leading the Extreme Bulls standings. In order for your Extreme Bulls money to count towards the finals, you have to go to 40 rodeos that are not Extreme Bulls. My husband, when he got hurt at Cheyenne and broke his collarbone, he did not have Porsche rodeos. And so he tried to do the medical exemption. He tried to call the right people and do it the right way. Well, Sage is a very analytical person and he reads the rules for exactly as they are. Well, the rule book states that you have to have 
I don't want to quote this because I'm not 100% what the rule says, but it says you have to have a body part touching the bull and have to have a rope on the bull. So my husband got a 40-foot rope that's like what climbers use, and he is tying it around a bull every night, putting his foot on the back and letting the bull go out and drag his foot out um, so that he can get his last rodeos. Right now, I think we have seven more. People, we've gotten mixed reviews. A lot of people, everybody at the rodeos, the association or the committees, the judges, everyone has been extremely supportive, which I just, I'm so grateful to them because even the fans have been, oh my gosh, now you're down to six or now you're down to four. It's just been really cool to see them rally behind Sage because he has just, he's bled for this association for a long time and he's had other opportunities and he's really stuck by them. So from wife's perspective, it's been really hard. A week after surgery, he left home and was still on pain narcotics and got on a bull that night. And I, every part of me is like, why? But I do know it's for a bigger picture. I know that in the long run in Vegas, I'm going to be so grateful. And really, it just speaks to him because what he's willing to put our, his self through for our family, it's just not many people would do that. I'm super grateful for him, but I am grateful for the people that have been so kind about it. Yeah, essentially what you're saying is that He's having to travel like he's rodeoing, enter like he's rodeoing, leave you and the baby home alone like he's rodeoing and not able to ride a bull. So he's going through all the motion. He's spending all the money just so that they will count in the standings money he has already won. Yeah. And last year he qualified with 11 rodeos to the NFR and they took the money away. And he's like, I'm not going to let that happen again this year. And so... He has put himself on the road. I think there's, it's going to be over $10,000 probably by the end of it of money that he's just throwing into the wind. But like I said, we're trying to be positive about it. So one of those factors that we touched on is him having to be away from the two of you. And I know that this is a constant thing that comes up when I'm talking to women who spend a large amount of their time away from their husbands. And there was a quote that you had in that written piece that I was talking about on Companion Pass where you said, when you love someone who's always gone, you live for the memories. And that quote really struck a chord with me. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's funny, like the things that I say this light, I I say this lightly in the sense that I have military friends. I do a lot of military interviews and hearing their wives talk about it where they don't get time to even talk to them. They don't get to FaceTime their husband, their children are being born without their father there. I had tried to keep that perspective, even though there's been times like I've been in hospitals and he hasn't been able to be home. I've had weddings that I would love to be. I For a long time, my friends thought Sage was a ghost. I'm pretty sure because every big event, wedding, anything Sage couldn't come to. But you do hold on to the memories. It's the little things, you know, like you try to distract yourself as much as possible. But like the other day when he left, my son held onto his legs and was just crying and screaming. He didn't want him to go. And that was the worst pain, I think. And he was crying. Sage was crying. I was crying. Steel was crying. And it was just, it's so hard. It's a tough way to make a living. And I don't think people, like, yes, tough in the sense you're riding bulls, but there's so much that goes into it, like the being gone, a lot of money down the drain. There's slumps for everybody. And when you're not with the person you love, when they're going through a slump, it is the worst possible feeling There is. So you almost have to be the person that is keeping the good memories. You don't want to live in the past per se, but for me, I just, the FaceTimes, you almost have to hold on to every little situation. You count down the days. Like for me, like I am a very visual person, pictures of our family. I love having pictures everywhere of our family because for me, I want my son to look around and always see Sage. I don't want him just being like, 
okay, daddy's in and out in a blink. So for me, like I just try to do that. And then every day, like my son does facial expressions. They're just like sage. And I just think back to all these things when we first started dating, when we're at the Branch of Vista rodeo and sage did the exact same face when I said something. And so for me, yeah, you hold on the memory. You definitely are grateful for FaceTime because it is, it's rough. It's just a different way to make a living, but you also know what you're getting into. Very true. I think when I hear that, you hang on to the memories. I don't even think that is necessarily the huge moments or memories you make with them. I know that when Luke would be gone for a large amount of time and come back and just getting to spend a day with him, it was like in those moments, I was so aware that our time together was limited that I was like making mental like catalog of those moments together and a memory of that. Like us us getting to go to the grocery store together and like grocery shop and just laughing like on a drive somewhere because those were the moments and the memories that I craved so much. And so that's the flip side to being gone a lot. We talk about how hard it is often, but I will say that the benefit was that I never took the small amounts of time we had together for granted. And I'm thankful for that, for sure. No, that's a great way to put that because like I remember the other night, I was literally sitting on the couch and I looked over at Sage and I knew he was going to be gone in two days. And I looked over at him and I was just like looking at his nose and I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, I know what my husband looks like and I know I'm attracted to my husband. I'm just sitting here looking at him. I'm like, or his facial hair or the way he smells when he walks into a room. I'm like, it's the weirdest things that you wouldn't think would be triggers for you. But like, it just, it warms you. I don't know how to explain it. It's like when you get a really, really good cookie after waiting for no, like days not to get a cookie, but you get it and you're just like, oh my God, you're here. And it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Like the coming home makes the leaving worth it. Absolutely. And just what you said there, like I had this kind of physical reaction to it because there would be times when Luke was gone for so long and I hadn't seen him for two months and you see him and they're not just a sight for sore eyes, but it would be that moment when he hugged me and then the smell of his neck. And it's like, would just like make me cry because I'm like that. Those are the things that you don't really remember. And then you get them back and you're like, I missed that so much. Do you ever have that feeling of like when you're, when they hug you for the first time, it's almost like everything's just I don't even know how to explain it. Every piece of emotional, everything that you've felt, all the weight of the world, it's almost like it just slides off like water. I don't even know how to explain it. Like I almost just like melt. You're describing the feeling so well because I think it's this, you don't really know how heavy what you're carrying around is until you're back together with them. And it's like they lift it off and you're like, I just feel a million pounds lighter. Like, how did you do it? Literally. And it's one simple human. I'm like, we put a lot of pressure on our husbands. And I wonder for them on the flip side, if that's how they feel too. That's curious. I always wonder that. Do they feel the same euphoria that we do? Yeah. I'm going to tell myself they do because I'd like to believe that. Yeah, same. And I think that this is another thing is that when you spend so much time apart, you can be aware and like trying to prioritize your relationship and stay connected in every way possible, like really nurture your relationship. But at the end of the day, when you go to bed alone, even knowing you have a strong relationship while you're apart, it does not make lonely nights easier. Do you feel that way? I do. You know, I was talking actually with my good friends. This is so crazy you said that because one of my good friends is Sydney Pope and she just got married. As soon as she got married, Jess hit the road. So she's in this new house in a new city by herself. And she was like, Marriage is so fun, but you look over and you're alone. And I'm like, that is a perfect way to describe it. Marriage is wonderful. Those few months they get home are wonderful. But 
it's honestly, ultimately, it's pretty lonely. I don't think people realize that. Before Steel, I didn't realize how lonely I actually was. Like, I was almost going through the motions until he got home mm-hmm. just because I felt like part of me was missing. Yeah. And, like, I, I do have my own identity, but it was almost like my heart was in, like, Walla Washington. Yeah. And I was here. And it was almost like just going through the motions. And you're trying to be so positive for your partner, too, because... You don't want them to miss home. That's the thing. I don't want him yeah. to worry about home. I don't want him to be stressed about that because he has so much going on. He needs to focus on what he's doing, especially in his career. Yeah. And so for me, that's been something like I really had to focus on is like, hey, Alexis, like you have to be positive and you put on such a brave face. I don't know if y'all had to do this like in the time event side, but you put on such a brave face because you just don't want any. They have enough going on. You don't need to add to that plate. And for me, I always put on a brave face. And it was so funny because Sage always knows. He'll be like, okay, what are you not telling me? Or why don't you let me talk to to you about your emotions right now? And like, he'll ask me and I'll be like, you just bucked off. And he's like, I don't care. Like, you're my priority. Like, it's not. And so we try to be these brave souls. But really, the guys are smart. They know this stuff. But it is so (laughs) lonely. Like, at the end of the day, it's so lonely. It really is. And just so have you found that? it's become a little bit easier since becoming a mom? Yes. I felt the exact same way yes. when I became a mom because you have a distraction. Like, I'm sure you have three boys. You get it. Like, that first one comes along and it's just, like I said, I see Sage in him. He's obviously my twin, but I do see some of Sage's mannerisms in him. For me, it's, okay, now I don't have to go to bed alone or I don't have to watch this movie alone because you'll sit there and watch it with me or I can go play on the ground with you for an hour and kill time. The only thing that has been hard for me is bull riding is the last event and it's at midnight and I have struggled to stay awake for it now because I'm trying to run around rag with my child who does not sleep. So yeah, that's the only thing I would say has made it more difficult. Right. I think that when you make that transition from just the two of you into having kids, it probably makes it easier for us, but it adds a whole other layer for them. It makes it so much harder for them to leave, which I'm sure for Sage. And I've seen pictures with them. He clearly loves being a dad and it must just rip his heart out having to leave him. You know, that's been the hardest part. Like Sage has never struggled leaving home. And I'm not saying that because he doesn't love me per se. I'm just saying it's, he knows he has a task at hand. He's always had a goal. But now when you add steel in the mix, he melts around that little boy. There's I've seen Sage take on roles. Steel was a NICU. He never missed a feeding. He turned out a Fort Worth rodeo like it was no big deal. Like it's just little things that like he would have never done back in the day. He's doing now effortlessly. And as soon as he's done riding, first thing he does, grab steel. Oh, with steel every single day, he's changing. Yeah. And for Sage, that is so hard. He's Every, he FaceTimes me constantly and Steele takes the phone and he'll run around the house and show Sage all the house. And I'll be like, dad, dad. And I'm like, he knows what the house looks like. And for Sage, he just is, it's so funny. Like he's so excited to experience the NFR with Steele this year because it's something for when he was little that he worked so hard to acquire. Now getting to share that with your own flesh and blood that like you created, it's a whole new element. I'm sure for Luke, it was the exact same way with the boys. Like it's special to experience it together, but then you add a child to the mix and seeing the magic in their eyes. Like he gets so excited when Sage was drafted to Carolina. He clapped like oh. crazy in the stands, fielded. did. He was so proud and he just thought it was so cool. His dad was on the big screen. Yeah. So we've been talking about how you were kind of a public figure when you met Sage. Sage is now like larger than life bull rider. So I'm sure the spotlight on the two of you has only intensified over the years. 
And with that, I think probably comes a lot of opinions or chatter. Is that true? Yes. You know, it's funny. Him and I have a saying together. 2018 during the finals, there was a lot of noise. And so I always tell him, I'm like, hey, no noise. We don't give into the noise. And like biblically, it goes back to that. The noise too, there's a lot of chatter, but a lot of times the people don't know what they're talking about a lot of times. They just like to give their opinions. I think that social media has made it far worse. But at the end of the day, like I I take it to be a privilege as well because it could be the opposite side too. We could not even be involved in this. We could be living in a homeless shelter. You have no idea. So for us, like I'll never take that for granted because things could be worse. And so the chatter is just a part of the noise. It's a part of the process. And usually it means that you're doing something right. I I like hearing you say that is that it's just noise and you have to block it out. So what is the craziest rumor you've ever heard about yourself? So a sage had a wild one the other day. The Cowboy Channel fans are vicious. I saw one the other day that said, excuse my French, it was like, Sage Kimsey's such a piece of shit. He looks like the type of guy that would be covered in tattoos and beat his wife. And we were driving back from Calgary and I was laughing so hard because Sage has no tattoos. And I was like, yeah, you're such a bad guy. And he was just like, is that what my alter ego is? I'm like, no idea. It's just so funny. The things people say, there is this one lady who... I hope we never meet each other. She photoshopped a picture of my son's face on dog crap. What? And put it on the Cowboys Channel's post. And she's the one that usually starts these rumors. Honestly, I just, I take it with a grain of salt. I'm like, you know what? Something happened in their day that made them sad. And that's probably why they're doing it. I don't take it personally because to me, I feel bad for anybody that does stuff like that because I think they're going through something that we're not seeing. And so my thing has always been don't bully anti-bullying has been like my platform from day one. And so for me, I'm like, you know what? You have to look at the bigger picture here. There's something we're not seeing and them lashing out might be something that's projecting in their life. Yeah. So Sage and I, he doesn't look at comments. He never looks (laughs) at comments. I read them to him and he's just like, it's so funny. He's just like, wow, these people are getting really creative. (laughs) That's a good one, actually. I'm like, Sage, stop. It's funny. One thing too is they want to build up rivalries or they want to build up this stuff that's just not really happening. Yeah, It's just so funny to me. And this, no, they're not rivals. They all compete together. Yeah. Yeah, They want to win, but it's, they just make, I feel like they want to make enemies because it sounds like a better story. Yeah. When that's not really doing your due diligence of getting the good story. Yeah. And there's so much more to it behind the scenes that In case you're listening, yes, they get along. Everybody gets along. Everybody's doing the same thing. They're trying to provide for their families. They're trying to win gold buckles. And at the end of the day, yeah, I just think everybody needs to show a little grace because you just never know what anybody's going through. It's true. And what you said, it really rings true for me too, is I think when I see that stuff from those people, I just try to remind myself and my gut reaction is to get kind of mad. But then I try to remind myself like no person that's truly happy is lashing out on the internet at strangers. So try to have a little compassion towards these people. Oh, for sure. And I, that's the funny part is like, I wish he could meet these people because I think they'd actually really like him. That's my favorite part is I see that people comment bad things. I'm like, you'd actually probably like that lady or you'd probably like that guy quite a bit. Like they're easy to be around. Yeah. So it's just funny. Like, you don't know, but that's, like I said earlier with Cowboy Channel, like, that's part of the celebrity now. Like, it's bringing a new realm that we've never had to deal with as a rodeo community. And I think we're all navigating the waters together because it's different. Yeah, absolutely. Now, at the end of the shows, we've been ending by having you answer 
a question from a previous guest. And I really love this part. We have guests that have been on before and they've given me questions to ask a future guest. So I'm going to ask you one of those questions now. So it says, what does your dream life look like to you, either now or post-rodeo? Ooh, okay. I think if I was to dream of a life right now, I would be part-time living in Hayden, Idaho. And I would have a boat and every day I would go outside and make like food for my family. I just think that like the simple life of living up there is just, I love it up there. It's my peace. When I'm there, it's the only time I don't feel like super stressed. I've dealt with anxiety quite a bit and it's like the place that I can escape that. And I do feel like I'm my best version of myself there. And so, yeah, I hope that I pray that in my dream life that I'm being a light for other people. I think that at the end of the day, that's something that matters the most to me is I hope that when people look at me, they say, okay, she loves Jesus and she shines through with him. So that's really what my ultimate goal would be. And I think that's like true happiness is when your life's in balance. I love hearing you say that when you talk about your dream life, it involves helping others, which says a lot about you. Well, thank you. I just feel like that's my college motto is a measure of a life is its service. And I feel like this sport a lot of times can be selfish, but there's so much to it that you can give back. And that's something Sage and I really believe in as a couple. Absolutely. All right. Last order of business. Can you tell me what your favorite rodeo memory or moment has been? Oh my gosh. My favorite one. That's hard. Surprisingly, actually, I think I'm going to say the year I had my son, we got out of the hospital and a day later, Sage had to go to Fort Worth because there was, it was snowed in. Everything was iced. So he had to leave me and steal. And it was so hard. I had a horrible pregnancy and he had to leave us. And I remember we were tuning in. We hadn't slept at all. My son is nocturnal. So from day one, he didn't want to sleep. And Sage got up there and he was running on. I'm not even kidding. You guys had to have been like an hour of sleep because he took all the night shifts for the bottle and then left. And he was so delirious. His eyes were black in the back of the chutes. He ended up winning Fort Worth Rodeo. And gets in the arena and gives a speech and he starts crying about how like he saw his son's eyes and it all finally made sense. And I was sitting at home and I was just crying. And I remember looking down and our son's just staring at me like this lady's crazy. But I'm like, you just have no idea what your dad just did. Like, And then it was like emotional exhaustion. But at the same time, it was like such a come to Jesus because we knew like right place. That's where God wanted you at the time. And obviously... It just, he went there and then he went, ended up winning San Antonio. He just went back to back to wins and it was incredible. And it was right after our son was born. So it was just like, I don't know. It's just interesting. People say that when you have a child, it either makes you better or you get exhausted. You don't want to do anything. And I think it definitely made Sage better. So that's probably my favorite memory. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. I really loved chatting with you. I just have to say too, Lindsay, not to take more time of of yours, but I just want to say thank you to you because a lot of times people don't get to know the people behind the cowboy. And a lot of times behind a great man is a great woman. And I just think it's really cool that you're giving people a voice. And I've always admired you for who you are as a rodeo wife, but also who you are as a person. So thank you. Oh, Alexis, you made me cry. That's so sweet. Thank you. I will just say that I feel honored to get to be even a small part of helping share these stories because they're really dear to my heart and I want the world to be able to hear them. Well, that's another great episode under our belts and I'd love to hear what you thought. Share your favorite parts, something that really hit home or inspired you, or just share with others so they can know where to find us. 
It's the best way for you to cheer on these amazing people whose stories we've heard. So head on over to Instagram, be sure to tag Companion Pass, myself, and today's guests with your greatest takeaway from this episode. Thanks for being a part of our rodeo family, and we'll catch you at the next one. Thank you.